Welcome to the Nerd Party. Want to be a part of the Nerd Party community? Don't forget to like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash the nerd party and follow us on Twitter at join nerd party. You can also help us by leaving a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts to help spread time and space to other listeners. If you want to contact us, visit thenerdparty.com slash contact, click on our show logo, and leave a comment for us there. Time and Space, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Well, we're continuing our celebration of all things 11th Doctor. Indeed. And we thought we would do it by sort of comparing the beginning and the end. Yes, that seems appropriate. Or does it? The Alpha and the Omega. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And uh, for our Inside the TARDIS Library segment, we're going to be talking to Connie Gibbs, who interviewed Christopher Eccleston at New York Comic Con. Christopher Eccleston, who is not the 11th Doctor, for those of you who are keeping track. Well. But far too interesting a topic to let go. I mean, he's the 10th Doctor. No. Not the 10th. Well, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) You want to get into this, we can get into it. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, let's start with uh, The Eleventh Hour, which premiered the 3rd of April, 2010. General thoughts about watching it again for the second or third time? Yeah, at least the third time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really love it. I think Little Amy is fantastic. Fish Fingers and Custard. I mean, it's it's a great episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it. And... And Olivia Coleman. It's true. What more do you need? And then sort of sets up, uh, not that we knew at the time, um, potentially the, in a, well, at least the series and both the era. Yeah. Story arc. Absolutely. Arcs. Absolutely. The crack in the wall mm-hmm. shows back up at the very end and, and we... obviously makes reappearances throughout, but yeah, it, it comes full circle as twere. And we have Olivia Coleman's Prisoner Zero talking about the Pandora will open, which will be the end of the first series. And then, of course, Silence Will Fall. Yes. Which is the end of the era. And then that takes us all the way to the time of the Doctor, Christmas special, 2013, Christmas Day. And what were your general thoughts about the Christmas special of Matt Smith's final outing? Yeah, I really like it because it brings... A lot to, you know, you've got Gallifrey, you've got the crack in the wall, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the silence will fall because everybody sort of assumes that it ends, that silence fell, that silence was defeated. Right. um, But that's not what it boils down to. Um, And you've got the wait a minute, he only gets 13 iterations, how do we fix that? 
Right. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of things tied up quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectly Stephen Mottfian way. Mottfian? 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 Used to be my favorite breakfast. That <laughs> was my nickname in high school. I don't remember why. <laughs> Well, I guess that's it. We've talked about the two All episodes right, We're so, much earlier than uh, usual. The- <laughs> no. um, so uh, well, let's, let's go to it. So in the beginning, right, um, introducing a new doctor. We have a new showrunner. We have new everything. It's sort of a... Um, All change. Repilot or soft reboot or whatever you want to call it when we're starting, you know, blank whiteboard. All we have is a new doctor and a crashing TARDIS and you go from there. Yep. Um, so uh, who is this Matt Smith character, darling? Who is this Matt Smith? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got the gig. Right. Do you? I, he auditioned, I think. Well, yes. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, as far as I know, he hadn't done a whole lot mm-hmm. before this. Um, he was planning on being a soccer star. And and I think it's curious. And again, this is sort of me speculating wildly, so it probably means nothing. But, you know, as we always say, you look to what you had and then what's different. Mm. So you had Chris Eccleson, you know, big name. Very established. David yep. Tennant, not as big of a name, but he had been up and coming, um, you know. He had been working quite steadily. Right, working actor. And so, obviously, he big fan and knocked out of the part. And so then, you know, is it a thought like, because obviously Matt Smith is the youngest doctor ever. So, I mean, that certainly can't be an accident mm. of we're going young. yeah. Yeah. Like, real young. <laughs> a, def- a definite choice, yeah. yeah. And the idea of bringing in a complete, or not a, I'm sure not a complete, but a relative newcomer, mm-hmm. particularly comparatively speaking. Um, and in what follows. Right. You know, then going to Peter Capaldi and J.D. Whitaker, mm-hmm. neither of whom... Are young men. Are young newcomers. <laughs> yes, you yes. know. Um, so with Matt Smith, we get a complete all change and yeah, I'd be interested in what the hook was. I mean, I love Matt Smith. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's great in it. Um, but where in the process, the, the casting people went, yes, that, that guy, whoever he is. And again, presumably, you know, Moffat had some sort of idea yeah because also presumably they don't do complete open casting calls. <laughs> right you know they don't say hey we're looking for a new doctor everybody who wants to audition <laughs> come on out so theoretically there was some sort of yeah. invitation or something and then what do you think immediately of the 11th doctor i love i mean and it's difficult obviously to to give, Go back in time. Yes, to give that judgment of the first time I saw Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think straight away, he does a really nice job of establishing what he is and who he's going to be. I think out of all the new Who Doctors, I feel like I can say this, he's the most defined by the end of that first episode. Because, mm. except for maybe nine, because uh, I think, you know, Chris is nine seems very alien he sort of has that that standoff this that distance mm. which kind of makes him alien um but i guess because we're kind of going into things new it's we don't know him not that he's not well defined we just don't know what to look for right i was just <laughs> gonna say i think it's a difficult call to make because he was the 
first new doctor. And then with Ten, he's in his pajamas the whole time. So there's really... Mostly unconscious. Yeah, so there's really not much to, to play with in that first mm. episode. I mean, some sprinkles, but nothing. And then 12, deep breath. He's kind of out of it the whole time. He's also in his pajamas. Um, Hanging out with the dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, figuring or out dragons. he's Scottish. Dinosaurs, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And uh, I just don't, you don't really get a... He's very confused. I mean, as most regenerations are, but that's sort of his. And then even Jody with the 13th. I mean, she's kind of still... I think in maybe some ways she, that she's always been who she's been, the 13th Doctor. But I guess it was hard to recognize. Because you're like, is this the first episode? Is this who she is in this? Mm. And then you're like, oh, you know, subsequently too. Oh, yeah, that's who she was. Yeah, and I think... And, and possibly in a similar way to the way that Jodie Whittaker did it. The Matt Smith's confusion from the regeneration mm. also is part of what defines him. Mm-hmm. You know, the figuring out the foods right. and all of that sort of stuff is part of the regeneration confusion. But it's also done in such a way that that's, that's who the doctor is, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really delightful. Um, but then at the end, and he is sort of confused and goofy, which he, is. which stays with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but that last bit where he's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. These aliens are leaving and I'm calling them back because uh-huh. I got something else to say. <laughs> leaving is good. Coming, never coming back is better. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a really lovely arc for him just in that episode of, you know, oh, I don't like apples. I don't uh-huh. like uh, yogurt. Yogurt, yes, all of those sorts Your of things. Your Scottish fry something. Um, from there to this is my, this planet's under my protection. Yeah. I'm the doctor. Look uh-huh. at all the doctors before me. You know, all mm-hmm. of that moment is. Yeah, I think it's a nice round episode for him to establish. And do you think that there are, not necessarily in a negative way, but are, you, are there corrections from the Tenth Doctor? Corrections maybe the wrong word, but differences from the Tenth Doctor? I mean, I, you have the youngishness, which I don't, I don't want to mean to, to belay on too much, but I think that the the silliness obviously is ramped up because um, the Tenth Doctor is a little more grounded than the Eleventh Doctor. But I think, you know... Um, there's much more comedy in, with the 11th Doctor. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, uh, you know, I think that final scene mm. reeks of the 10th Doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, you know, and not too dissimilar to the way the 10th Doctor's first episode ends. Yes. Of, oh, I'm confused. Oh, I'm confused. Oh, I'm confused. Now I'm in a knife fight. <laughs> you know, and you've cut off my hand, and that's okay because I'm, you know, pushing the button. And what, what is he, you know, no second chances yes, or exactly. whatever he says. Um, they, they finish very similarly. But I, I, one thing, I and mean, this is sort of in retrospect, um, which is what we're talking about. Um, I think with the difference between the. With the eleventh doctor, the first and the last episode, but that sort of you know base run base you know basically run that sort of intimidation, but that's actually I think that first episode sort of really shows us without knowing us the eleventh doctor because he is this um, comedic figure, but then you have stuff like a good man goes to war. You have these episodes where the eleventh doctor is almost one of the most 
epic of the doctor like he's the most powerful doctor means warrior yeah, in, in yeah. so many different I mean, languages he's, he's the one and this is my opinion so you can disagree i think he's the one you don't mess with the most i think he's the most powerful doctor in many ways yeah i i think i would agree with that and i think ultimately it's what leads us to the moment with the 12th doctor when he and Clara realize they can't travel together. Right. Because that has built and carries on through mm. into the Twelfth Doctor. I mean, I get that you're going to have the Twelfth Doctor, you know, he faces Gallifrey and Rassilon, but that's near the end. And Yeah, I mean, whatever. But, I mean, the Twelfth Doctor, he's he's the one who commanded an army, you know, with the... Yeah, no, the, I, yeah. I agree 100% and is prepared to fight. Prepared to fight yep. every time, every time. And, it, you know, it's also interesting to consider there's the bit in the 50th anniversary where they talk about what each regeneration remembers. Right. In terms of the number of people who died Which, and the number time of children. Yeah, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. And so we're also looking at it from... You know, Christopher Eccleston's doctor is still very tortured mm -hmm. by the Time War. David Tennant's doctor, less so. And potentially Matt Smith's, even less so, to the point at times, once again, using his power in places that sometimes it doesn't necessarily need it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, if we want to pop you know, analyze the 11th Doctor. I feel like at that point he's buried it so far deep and he uh, covers that with the comedy and the wackiness and all that that it's really down deep. And so the whole, I've moved on. You know, I moved on. I didn't, mm. You know, why, what, what's the point? You know, um, to where you then have the 12th Doctor where it all comes out. Mm -hmm. Well, or, or theoretically you have the 50th where... By meeting the war doctor, they sort of, he figures it Flushes out. Flushes it a bit, Of course, yeah. you know, he regenerates like two episodes later, so yeah. it's hard to yeah, but, reconcile. But I think that we then see it in this last episode the when time. Gallifrey yep. shows back up again. And he wants immediately to bring them back and is then battling everybody else to get Gallifrey back. And I think... Finding his own redemption, maybe. And, you know, not that it's a competition, because you could say the 10th Doctor, too, but I think the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, you know, too, as the actor, has this range of emotions that's that's outstanding. I mean, mm. especially someone so young, but, again, you have the playfulness, but you also have that deep power that he can, you know, he can have the old soul, old eyes, the old Time Lord, but then he also cries you know I, I think of like um the episode i can't remember the episode the one where um you know the doctor has a secret that he's taking to a grave and it is found when clara tells him that and he just sits on the sofa and says those, those were the words and he just has that moment that is that he's gonna die and you know that single tear or whatever comes down and he recovers and but even in this last episode with the time of the doctor when handel says gallifrey and he has that sort of reaction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I, I do just love Matt Smith. And and then even in the old age makeup, which the first time I watched I thought was ridiculous. This time around I felt like, eh, it's actually not that bad, I guess. But that he's still able to... He does, I don't know. I mean, it's good acting. That's what it is. But that he is able to 
portray the Eleventh Doctor being that old. Mm. It's not crazy. He's and actually, I think I was reading some research where I think he's hurt his leg or something. But um, but anyway, so <laughs> that cane may have been actual actually useful. Um, but. You know, he, he's playing that as an older character, and but still has that emotion of Clark meeting Clara and the boy and all that stuff and all that. Uh, well, but so we talked a little bit about this, but how do you did the Eleventh Doctor change? Was there any character growth from first to last? Yeah, I mean, I think finding that hubris, mm-hmm. um, you know, the first episode is at the very end very offensive right you know get back here i'm telling you what's what Mm -hmm. and as he sees that power grow up to the you know the pandorica and all of that 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 hubris of using his power and then with the final episode an almost switch off of all defense i am i am keeping you away from this planet I am not attacking you for coming after the planet, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and doing it all to protect Gallifrey. Um, I think all of those things, yeah, I think I think there's very much a hubris arc there. And it's sort of the, <laughs> and I can't tell if it's the writing or uh, or just the actual character, um, that there's that no-win situation, right? So you have every villain alien you know attacking uh Trenzalore in the town of christmas um <coughs> but then you have you know the doctor can either bring in the time lords which he kind of wants to do but if he does that i guess the time war starts again because you know gallifrey's back well and all of those aliens are waiting to attack gallifrey right. mm-hmm and so if he brings them back with everybody sitting there waiting, mm-hmm. it is going to start the war again. And then if he doesn't, then he doesn't bring them back. So. And is betraying his people who are begging for help. Yeah, the one who he put there in the first place. Yep. Let's go into some uh, more uh, surface things. How did his look change? Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things that I quite like about this are the echoes from the Eighth Doctor mm-hmm. of finding his new outfit in the hospital with, <laughs> with just whatever is there. You know, yep. you get the doctors who go into the, the wardrobe. TARDIS yep. wardrobe, um, but like the Eighth Doctor, he is just stealing things out of people's lockers. <laughs> um Kind of thing, and and comes out in that final scene with like four different bow ties and ties around his neck, and uh, yeah, and establishes his catchphrase of blank or cool. <laughs> Bezos are cool. Cowboy hats are cool. Bow ties are cool. Because you know, <laughs> Matt said he wanted to go for the more professorial look, um, so that he was embracing the tweed. But you know, and watching some extras, he did say he he actually was hoping eventually to get some purple, and yeah, so which he does, yeah, actually, which I like. That's very, I like his coat because you know you have the tenant and even um, Whitaker uh, have the long coat, but I don't know what you call um, Smith's coat by the end because it's not all the way to his bottom. It's kind of like almost to his knees. It's a little higher than that but you know it's longer than a suit coat that he wore in the beginning so but it is a very it's it, i mean he is the same look that he had in the beginning it's just sort of a i don't know it's not darker 
I don't know. It's just expanded upon look. I mean, it's like yeah, you sort of have the neat professor, but then you sort of have different kind of playing with the colors and the length and all that, and so more of a frockier, like he wears a vest and mm. you know all that. So again, hearkening back to the Eighth Doctor, mm-hmm. yeah, which is another good look. I like it. Mm-hmm. And so we started off with uh, Amelia and her uh, boyfriend in the beginning, and now we have Clara at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. So. How do you think those relationships were? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've always said, I mean, I love Amy and Rory. Mm. Love them. Um, But I also really liked Clara with the 11th Doctor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I sort of, I did like the parallelism where you had the little boy, you know, asking whether the Doctor would be back. And it's sort of like, just like Amelia in the first episode, Mm. waiting for him to return. Um, yeah, you have the, the sort of the earned relationship with Clara where she sort of holds on to the TARDIS throughout time and space as it returns back to Christmas. Um, and then you have him sending her away and then you have her trying to save her, you know, one last victory. Um, and then you have her basically doing echoes of what she did in the 50th of sort of being, you know, the voice of whatever this time talking to the Time Lords to... Save the doctor in so many words. So, yeah. and also not dissimilar to how her arc starts mm-hmm. in terms of continuing to show up to save the doctor unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. The impossible girl, you know, she held on to the outside of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't be. She's just the impossible girl. Mm-hmm. And how do you think Matt changed how he played the role, or did he? I mean, I think that there continued, there was continued growth and depth added. You know, again, all of that physical comedy, which Matt Smith is absolutely phenomenal at, hmm. um, still sort of sticks around, you know, the the, the fast draw wit, um, you know, the scene where he's fixed everybody's toys and, you know, it's all just bam, 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 Aaron Sorkin kind of mm-hmm. um, wording. But it's got the depth to it now. And I don't necessarily know how to explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, more depth, more depth. That's what I'm going <laughs> with. More depth. Johnny depth. Fathoms below. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I just think again with the role, you know, you have him turning into a father Christmas character mm. who again is a sort of silly character but then you have him standing up to every villain that ever was and again that deep power whether it's fighting wooden cybermen or you know and ultimately the redemption that gallifrey gives him Mm -hmm. you know they forgive him Mm -hmm. um they they, he's the one that they come to for help and when clara has that go at them forgives him gives him more regenerations gives him that Redemption that I think he's been looking for since Christopher Eccleston stepped on the stage, <laughs> as twere. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's there's good um, scenes where it's like where he and Clara is just sort of arguing with him, and he's like, "Well, that's the same argument I've been having for for how many hundreds of years." Him talking about this being the end for him, um, you know, not as heavy as the uh, tenant and. Uh, Wilfred, oh right, oh yeah, yeah, scene about dying, Um, but because that's he's 
He's a little more wistful, I guess. The eleventh Doctor, you know, this is the end. And... Well, and he's had a lot more time to come to terms with it. Right. I mean, he is presumably the eleventh Doctor is the oldest Doctor ever. I mean, not just the oldest, but like the most in that incarnation. Mm. He's lived the longest. I mean, you can argue till the twelfth, but he is in a time bubble. I don't know if you want to count that. Oh, right, for those thousands of billions. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you want to count that. So it's just mm. the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. Uh, sort of a Doctor Strange kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. Um, so how how would you describe the 11th Doctor? What are, what are Lovely. his traits? <laughs> Witty. Mm-hmm. Um, again. And I think that that, in my head, encompasses not only the physical humor, but the quick wit, the fast-paced... Um, as you said, powerful. Mm-hmm. Very, very powerful. Because, um, like, for instance, and they've done this with all their doctors, but, you know, with that first episode, you know, he's going around his list of assets. No TARDIS, no screwdriver, you know, um, what are the two minutes uh, to save? Okay. And, you know, and then, you know, going to work. Did I? What's she going to add to it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so for the ending... Would you was it satisfying the time of the doctor? Was it a satisfying final story for Matt Smith and the eleventh doctor? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it was more of a slow burn than we see with really any of the Doctor regenerations. Mm-hmm. Um we know from the beginning, kind of mm-hmm. I mean not the very beginning, but <laughs> relatively early on we know that this is happening right. as he's aging and all of those sorts of things. We mm. know we have a lot of time to come to terms with it. So I think it's much more of a slow burn, but I don't think that's a bad thing, particularly because you do have the, you know, the regeneration doesn't come as a surprise, but you do have the tension of this is my last regeneration. Right. Um, up until it's not. And that's <laughs> the surprise. Yeah, I think, you know, it's not as, and I know this is going to be a negative word, but I don't mean it that way. It's not as indulgent as the Tenth Doctor's final mm. uh, episode. Um, you don't have this long goodbye, which I mean, that's neither good nor bad, right? I mean, obviously, I have no, no, nothing wrong with the Tenth Doctor's long goodbye. It's you know the best part of the. Yeah, and I was going to say that is one thing that I miss about this one is that we don't get to revisit. I mean, River Song. He mentions her. But I guess he had said goodbye to her um, in the name of the Doctor the two episodes earlier. Before you know, when he jumped before he jumped into the time stream, there's that, you know. Yeah. And he's you know she says say goodbye. You know he's you know he's like you shouldn't even be here anymore. And, and how do we say goodbye? And, yeah, yeah, I still would have liked because because it's it, mm-hmm. I I love the tenth Doctor's revisiting of. Mm-hmm. Of everybody, you know, including the the woman from the John Smith yep. book, you know, I, I I just think all of that's really lovely, and so I think some sort of revisiting would not have been a bad thing. I like the self indulgence of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, yeah, because I remember the first time I saw this when you know when it came on Christmas. Whatever. I don't know if I watched it literally on Christmas, or just later later in the day. But whenever I watched it for the first time, I remember not liking it, and I remember being like, "Huh, this wasn't how I would have liked it for to go." I will say, watching it for the first time, I thought they would fool us, or no, I I was fooled when you know Clara enters the TARDIS and sees all the clothes everywhere, and you see the boots walking up, 
And for a second, I thought that that's going to be Peter Capaldi. He's just going to walk up, and that's it. It was already, you know, we missed it or whatever. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, they fooled us all. No, it's just Matt Smith being young again. But I, I, I did like the end where you have sort of the Doctor giving up, you know, the old Doctor on the clock tower, and it's the end and whatever. And then he gets the, uh, the regeneration, and then suddenly, you know, he gets his spirit back. Literally and figuratively, and then you know taunts the Daleks and destroys them, and goes from there. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm not crazy about the Amy reunion, partly because it's something about the way it's filmed, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like Amy's looking at him, and, and so I was like, did they just film these separately and mush them together? Possibly, who knows? Uh, yeah, and of course Rory's not there, and you know I appreciate mm. that maybe Arthur Darville was going and doing cool hipster things <laughs> like Arthur Darville does. Uh, but I was I was just sad that we get a little bit of Amy that looks like it might not actually be in the same room, <laughs> um, and no Rory. Kind of reminiscent of when uh, Clara appears for the Twelfth Doctor clearly not filmed in the same location because it it's, shows Clara there and then the talk to 12th Doctor and then Clara there. Yeah. And it's like a green screen behind her, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, it just makes me think of like the old classic, you know, with the 5th Doctor and the swirling heads. Yeah. Or the 4th Doctor. Actually, both of them actually had swirling heads, now that I think about it. Um, upon their regenerations, but that was sort of the, the modern version of the swirling head. Yeah. Just to bring them back to say goodbye, you know. So... I think the 10th Doctor definitely gets the very best goodbyes. He does, he does. But I, I do enjoy that the 11th Doctor sort of just died of natural causes. Doesn't yeah. often happen for the Doctor. No, absolutely. Like I say, it's mm. it's a slow burn, mm. and the tension is not what's going to happen to him to cause him to regenerate. Mm. The tension is, will he regenerate because he is on his 13th. And then there's the whole, you know, the Doctor story about, you know, he finally found a place to stay. You know, obviously he's the protector in the first episode, and he's the protector in the last episode, and obviously that's a lot of who the Doctor is. But this isn't Earth, you know. I mean, I guess they're humans, but, you know, it was... And it's he's, he's protecting the village as much as he's protecting Gallifrey as well, so... And also accepting a destiny that he knows has been in the works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because he's now revisiting Trenzalore that he knows yeah. is his death place yep and again you know the crack in the wall and silence will fall all Mm -hmm. of these things falling into place i think when the question is asked yep Mm. yep i just kept seeing the blue guy's head (laughs) and then you know and this i credit well steven credit where credit is it's such a random thing and there's really no reason for it to be in there but handles such an unexpected emotional oh, yes, character. Oh, yes, yes. We thought the ad- decapitated Cyberman head would, would... Sort of like Wilson in um, yeah. uh, Castaway. But also a little bit like the, the broken Dalek. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Whatever he's called. Oh, he's the 12th Doctor's one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rusty, I think, or something. Something, yeah. But I think that, again, that's a really nice thing of... Particularly with the Cybermen and the Daleks, of humanizing mm-hmm. that that's 
obviously not anywhere close to the yeah, yeah anthropomorphizing <laughs> um giving some positive you know one of the things that i talk about that i'm not crazy about in terms of the cybermen and the daleks mm. is that there's very little redemption right in them they are just bad guys where my favorite episodes are the ones where the bad guys might not be quite as bad as we initially thought mm. and so we get a little bit of that with handles mm-hmm um, and it's so sad when he dies and reminds the doctor to... Information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, both in the first and last Matt Smith episodes, he's naked. So I'm, I'm pro. Parallelism there. Yeah. So you were the you were the grand grandma there at Christmas dinner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Want to play Twister. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm all for it. <laughs> All right. Well, any thoughts about the beginning and the end of the Eleventh Doctor? Mm, I don't think so. I think I've I think I've purged everything I needed to say. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go into the TARDIS library. When you close your eyes, I go to the library. Go to the library now. And for our Into the TARDIS Library segment, we're going to do something a little bit different. But exciting. Yes. So instead of Jessica and I talking about something we've watched or something we've read or something we've listened to, we're going to let someone else talk about something they watched, as in interviewing someone. And that is we're very uh, glad to have back um, Constant Gibbs from Black Girls Create. Connie, welcome back to uh, Time and Space. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Sure. And uh, you had a, a chat with a doctor recently. I did. I um, flew on the TARDIS. It was great. Um, <laughs> was it big? actually bigger on the inside? Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I flew uh, with the ninth doctor. It was great. Uh, I got to meet Christopher Eccleston at New York Comic Con. Um, and he was really great. He was the best. Yes, you, you were... Um... I don't know the first, but maybe one of the first, you can say that, right? One of the first to interview Christopher Eccleston <laughs> at a Comic-Con, That's at true. a panel. Um, and now we are officially two-degree two separation. <laughs> yeah. I've been so, saying uh, that to people. <laughs> I did another podcast, and they had happened to ask me about it, and I was like, well, anyone who's, meet, who's met me is either one degree away from the ninth doctor or two degrees away from any of their favorite doctors. <laughs> That's right. I mean, because yeah, Jody worked was in with Jody. Right, so, yep, you know, exactly. <laughs> so how did you end up being the one? Getting chosen as a companion. I feel like I filled out a form. I think I can say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Someone who works at Read Pop, uh, who's in charge of content at the con, uh, uh, I happen to know her. We're in a group together, and she had uh, folks fill out a form with, like, things they're interested in. And obviously, I put Doctor Who as the thing that I'm interested in, and I forgot about it. So I was not thinking about this uh, (laughs) when I got the email Because I remember being at work and opening my personal inbox and being like, like stopping, just like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So I had completely forgotten that that's how I came about this. So shouts to Britt Rivera for um, thinking of me. And I really was literally like, I don't think I have any vacation days left, (laughs) but I have to do this. 
Because yes. I wasn't planning to take Thursday, Friday off for Comic-Con. I was kind of only vaguely planning to go, only if I could get in with some other group that was going to be there doing press stuff. Um, and, like, if they needed help, you know, I was going to go and be like, I can only do Saturday, Sunday. So I wasn't planning to go Thursday or Friday. And then I got that email, and I was just like, well, I have to do this, like, regardless of how many vacation days left I have. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I took a half day in order to, like, sort of make it better. Um, yeah. And I think I've ended up being fine for other reasons. But <laughs> uh, I was just like, I have to do this. Like, there's no... <laughs> And I've never done anything like that before, on that, especially on that scale, because it was at the in, on the main stage, um, and obviously a very you know I'm I'm a journalist I'm we're still we're saying that I don't know why, <laughs> but um, you know I've interviewed people before of of, of celebrity. Um, a lot of my job is not celebrities, but you know whenever I get the chance I take it. Um, <laughs> but so I've you know interviewed some people before, but you know fifteen twenty minutes max. For, you know, to talk about whatever one thing, usually, like this mm. movie, this TV show, and like any extra questions I can squeeze in, I guess. But an hour? Whew, that was that was going to be a lot. Fans? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I purposefully didn't look up how many people fit in the main <laughs> stage at the Jacob Javits Center in New York. I didn't look it up. Um, Good call. And Good I didn't, call. I don't know if they like adjusted how many seats, you know, I don't know. I literally know nothing about the size of how many mm. people were there. I feel like I wasn't as overwhelmed uh, by the size of the people when I got onto the stage as I thought I would be. Um, but then I've also been at like, Hall H in uh, San Diego as a guest, as, as an attendee, um, and it's nowhere near that size. So, it, 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 you know, on the scale, it was still like, okay, this is this will be fine, because it's not like, it's not a huge stadium, it's just the biggest stage yeah. of Comic-Con, it's fine, a New York Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this was New York Comic-Con, this was what, I think October 3rd, if I think mm, correctly. I don't remember. Um. <laughs> it's all a blur. It's all a blur. Yeah. And so, uh, how did you, I mean, you know, because Jessica and I have watched your, your, uh, the actual interview, and we're going to post the link so everyone can watch it themselves. Oh, thanks. But I guess preparing the questions, I, you Ooh. know, what was, uh, we, I mean, it all made sense, of course, but kind of from your preparation process, how was that? Um, so, um, Brittany, who contacted me about it and offered me the, the opportunity, uh, she let me know that he had a book coming out, and, uh... I guess her, his publicist had sent a PDF his, her way, so she sent it to me because um, it was coming out, I think, in a couple weeks before, you know, I think it was about a month out, and it was a couple weeks before the before Comic-Con, but after I would be getting the gig. So um, <laughs> I wanted <laughs> I wanted to make sure I read as much as that as I could, um, considering all the other things I have to do in my life. I didn't get to finish it, but it is very mm. good. It's called I Love the Bones of You. Um, and it was really interesting to, you know, I've watched Doctor Who, and obviously, but I haven't watched anything else he's been in, really. And I don't know much about him as a person, uh, especially considering how much he's, like, stepped away from the fandom and stuff. So... Um, I didn't really know what to expect about who he was as a person. So it was really interesting to read his book, uh, which was great and like very in his voice. Like I could hear him reading it. It sounded very much like him. Um, and it was a great way to like learn more things about him. Uh, and so I was reading that. I, 
ask asked around <laughs> like what should I ask and it's word on the street yeah like, like what would you want to know and made sure that I knew his non Doctor Who things that he's done <laughs> um, so I did a little research on that just to you know I understood that I didn't have to like do a deep dive but unlike some you know. <laughs> There's the thing a few weeks ago of a reporter who interviewed Rihanna and had no questions and was just told Rihanna that she last minute was just like, well, I don't have questions, so I'm just winging it and put it mm-hmm. in the article. Um, so I didn't do that, <laughs> basically. Good call. I you did my are best to a prepare. journalist. <laughs> you know? Um, Yeah, when that story came out, I was just like, okay, but I just spent two weeks reading a book and like doing all the Googles (laughs) on this man so that I could have questions prepared. And some people, you know, they are better at improvising questions than I am. Like, I know my my strengths and my limits. Or not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. At the very least, don't tell the talent that you didn't bring the questions. Like, that's that's rule number one. Uh, so yeah, yes. I <laughs> I did Write that. It down, baby. <laughs> um, and then he's, you know, he this is one of the first cons he's done, but not the very first. So he had done a con. I want. Mm, I might. I don't remember if it was Rose City or not, but uh, someone had posted a link to a video of uh, you know him answering questions at a convention. So uh, I watched that to see you know what he's up to talking about and wants to talk about and is open to answering and just to get a vibe of like what he's like in that setting. So thankfully I wasn't the very first. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Good point. That would have been terrifying. Cause there's sort of a spectrum. Like, they can either be like, <laughs> you have to constantly ask questions to get them. Right. Or, and this is my opinion. He was sort of a happy medium of where you could ask a question, but he could talk for a while. Right. Or you have those people where you're just on the stage and they just do the whole thing themselves. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I watched that And (laughs) there are two things where I was just like, this will be fine, this will be fine, this will be fine, but also I'm just naturally an anxious person, and then also two things. One, a bunch of people were like, he's doing conventions now? Wow, he's talking about Doctor Who? And I was like, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Right, like, (laughs) so because it's one of his first conventions, it was... Uh, there was a lot of not pressure from people, but just like curiosity from people about like, mm. is he talking about this stuff now? Like, it is a pretty big deal because he had stepped away from the fandom for such a long time, like since he's left. And so um, there was just a little bit of like, if one more person asks me, <laughs> and I understand that I am not actually being upset about it, but um, under and you know, because I understand that people are shocked and curious and like, oh yeah. my goodness. And and most people were like meaning it in a very kind way to me. Like, wow, you get to be one of the first people. But I also was just like, yikes. And then he uh, had done some other interviews. He's doing press for his book, obviously. And his book goes into a lot of like really deep topics. Um, and, you know, a lot of the press and tabloids pulled out the, war- the, the, the heaviest ones and were talking yeah. about them and like sharing articles and stuff. And so that gave me hesitance as well because I was just like, well, first of all, I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet. <laughs> and of like at the point when it had come out. And... um. It, because it's such a heavy topic and because it happened 
like the point was that like some of the stuff like mental health issues that he was going through were happening during Doctor Who. I was just like, okay, so how do I strike a balance of mm. being open to addressing that, but also being open to not because like obviously you don't want to like parade your trauma around and obviously he wrote a book so there is a little bit of that to be expected but you know like trying to strike the balance of like this is just a comic-con panel i'm not oprah so (laughs) (laughs) understanding that i don't need to ask the really deep questions but if i ask questions a certain way if he wants to take it there he could like giving him the, the option of of going there uh but i was just like wow of course he would announce some very deep <laughs> mental health issues the week before like two weeks before yeah. i'm about to interview him on a very national stage of which i wasn't sure it would be live streamed i'm thankful i didn't think about that yeah yeah, yeah it's not just the people in the hall right. like it was a being bunch of people watching online like yeah. after it was over i like saw my notifications and it was just like because people found the live stream and were like live tweeting it and tagging me and stuff and i was just like oh i'm glad i didn't know that like obviously they were streaming it because uh they had to have the big screens in the room yeah, yeah. um for the people in the audience but i was just not thinking about it thankfully <laughs> yes and i feel like felt like he was aware of the space he was in as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he touched on right. body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. mental health. You know, he talked a little more in depth about his father's dementia. Right. But that wasn't... It, it felt like he understood that that wasn't the primary reason. Right. He, he knows everyone knows for Doctor Who, but, but he still... Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he understood the audience. Yeah, uh, and that's felt, really... Good of him, like, good of him, yeah. but also just, like, considering he hasn't done very, very many conventions, he was able to, like, immediately get that or whatever. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, you've done more cons than me, or Chris now, you know, especially up front now, but, like, you know, some people have that instinct or the, the feel of a con, I mean, like the celebrities, and some are just like, oh, uh, no, I don't, I don't remember that scene, um. Anyway, this is what I'm doing now. You know, right, right, like, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, Catherine Tate was a little like she that. She was. Oh. You know, she was a little like, oh, I don't remember She all just this turns it stuff. into a stand-up improv and calls it, you know. Yeah, that's also, I'm glad I was able to watch one of his previous conventions because of that. Like, you never know what the actor is going to not really feel about the property but like even remembering things is a and I I have to as a fan and a nerd like sometimes I'm just like what do you mean you're not obsessed with the intricate details (laughs) of this thing and then I remind myself I'm like they're just working a job they're not necessarily invested in this property except for the idea that they get a paycheck um, and the continued paycheck that they may receive from further talking about this thing but they're not really into it you know so they have not watched themselves (laughs) five times right Right, like most episode. of the times they yeah. haven't even watched it beyond having been in it. Like they haven't seen mm-hmm. it a lot of times. So there were, there was also that of like not knowing whether or not he was going to have memories, whether good or bad, to be able to talk about. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nine months out of his life, 
what yeah, yeah. 15 yeah. years ago exactly yeah. like it's a natural it's a natural thing to not remember what you were doing and like certain specifics um so whatever he did remember and bring to the conversation was great because i don't remember what i was doing for nine months 15 <laughs> yeah. years ago yeah. i was a teenager especially still. <laughs> not in your job right you know, exactly or like, at school you know right. what were like you studying asking what i was doing like ninth period like because that's how regular <laughs> you know fans like us get when we're asking questions Absolutely. like what did you do on yeah. the fifth day when you were shooting that particular scene it's like i don't remember what scene that was so yeah. thankfully he had enough <laughs> no of that he had enough of that to be able to actually have a conversation versus there are many actors who you watch at conventions and they're like i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, got, got nothing but we, got we nothing. do need the uh the sort of the standard lecture to anyone who asks a question because uh, and you're not to pick on the poor fellow, but there you had a person who asked a question, which luckily Chris knew. But they're like, you know, the last scene and gone in sixty seconds. Right. Like, how's he supposed to? Right. But, I mean, and he that's did, what it was but, like the granular yeah. questions that nerds ask, and not yeah. all, especially someone provide like, context people. Right. Especially someone like Chris who hasn't done many of these. It's just like he's not used to people asking this kind of question, like necessarily the like, intensity. Yeah. Like I don't know how many people stop him. Like I'm sure done so many people stop him on the street but i don't know you know in those opportunities in those instances you don't get the 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 time to like ask like so this really this question that i've been thinking about for 15 years <laughs> in episode three right right about the 22 <laughs> minute mark the tardis controller was not, anyway. um before we get to the the meat of it um so i guess did you did you actually have a chance to talk to chris or have any interaction beforehand or was it just your chair's up. Let's go. <laughs> uh, very briefly, uh, I went backstage and was like talking to the stage manager about like what it was, and I was like, "Can I have the audience ask questions? Like, you could do whatever you want." I'm like, great, because that was <laughs> a big part of the plan, um, <laughs> just for my sanity's sake. Uh, this is how many questions I have after that. Literally, literally. And if he's like like a uh, Skip Marvel, and you're like, okay, well, that's just two of the cards. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> But, um, and then he was surrounded by his people and, you know, he's, <clears throat> was also doing, uh, photo ops and autographs for the rest of the weekend, basically. So I'm sure people were pre, it was not 11 a.m. on Thursday morning. So this was the first Hall H, I'm sorry, nope, not that. <laughs> this is the first main Big stage, hall. yeah, this is the first main yeah. stage event at the Javits that weekend. So it was just like, oh, this is the first one. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure he had just gotten there and was like arriving, or getting like the rundown of what the day and stuff would and who would be handling him and stuff that. <laughs> so then uh, the stage manager was like, "Have you met Chris?" And I was like, "No, just standing there, like <laughs> awkward and small." <laughs> um, so you know, it was very brief. We like shook hands and we both went into like the deeper backstage area. We could see a screen of what the um, MC was doing on stage beforehand. So we mostly ended up watching that, uh, and it was funny because. The it, they like it was one of those games that they play at cons that I've seen them play. Uh, they have like audience members on the stage and they like each have to name something until somebody gets out and then they start over with a new topic. And so uh, one was like animal noises. And so the people had to go back and forth with like naming animal noises until someone got buzzed out. And then someone then another game was uh, name works of Shakespeare 
And so that was interesting because Chris Eccleston has played like many Shakespearean characters. So yeah. I could see him really being like, I could see him being really like invested. And he was just like, what are they doing? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you know, he's just like warming up the audience. because." And I was like, oh, right. He hasn't done this before. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he like took video at one point. Cause I think one of the questions was like name Christopher Eccleston roles or like pro- like movies he's been in or something. Um, so he took video of that. So we just like, been good at that. right. Like, I don't know. I was no about to interview, and I was about to interview yeah. him and I was going to be like, I cannot play this game. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like it was just like banter. And I was just like, this is one of your first conventions, right? He's just like, yeah, I think I did a couple earlier this year or whatever, how many, however many it is. Um, and I was like, well, great. Have a great time. And uh, <laughs> off we go. Off we went. <laughs> What's your say for it? Let's go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's probably an important question to ask. What's your safety? <laughs> right. If you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable, if the question is a bad one, like that's a that's a good point. I should yeah. incorporate that yeah. if anyone ever chooses to ask me this again. Hey, it's all about learning, right? Maybe with Tom Hiddleston. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Jessica, what are the, your questions about the meat of, of the interview? I I hmm. what were your general impressions because yes because i i struggled a little bit i really like him as an actor i think he's amazing and i actually agree with him about a lot of things (laughs) but i sometimes feel like it's heavy-handed and i don't know if that's my you know I, i don't know as a as a southern possibly woman in particular am i going oh (laughs) you're just supposed to say bless their hearts and move on (laughs) you know so i don't know if it's if if it's about spilling the tea or something yes (laughs) and so i don't know if it's my gut reaction that he tends to maybe um i think his like he's very clear and proud of his like working class background and like that brashness. We drank. Yeah. We drank that was our every drinking time game. He said it. Right. So, <laughs> so I feel like it could be just like a difference in that like Southern hospitality versus like a Northern working class, you know, brash yeah. British citizen or whatever. Um, yeah. He was very nice um, and funnier than I was anticipating. I had watched uh, that previous panel, so I knew that he would be. So it wasn't a complete surprise, but being uh, having seen it once and then like sitting with with him experiencing it live and in person is very different. So I was just like, wow, he's so funny. Like, I wish he would do a comedy because I think he'd be really good at it. Um, and it's just surprising to me that he's done so many, like, deep, dark, moody roles. Um, but he seems mm. to like that and gravitate to it. And it seems to come from his working class roots. <laughs> as he said. I'll drink. I'll right, drink. as he said. So um, he was very nice, very um, attentive in terms of, like, being understanding that like I'm asking him questions and not wanting to be rude about like directing his answers to the audience. And like, I'm like, they're here for you. But I appreciated (laughs) that he was just like, look, I'm also paying attention to you because I think a lot of times in interviews, whether on a stage or, you know, anytime you watch any interview that you've, any of us have seen, you can kind of feel like they're not really listening to each other. Um, And so I, I thought it was good that the, there was a clear, like, we're, I'm not only listening to him to make sure that I can 
like the next question makes sense, but um, and that he didn't already answer it. But he was listening to me as a person who was said to do his job. Um, his eyes are very Great blue. Act- acting skills. Acting skills are all about the listening. Right. Guys. Yeah. And not every actor can pull that off when they're not on set. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, his eyes are very, very blue. blue. Very blue. Okay. Having watched season nine, I'd never really paid that much attention to his eyes before. Right. And I was, but like, you're, I'm two feet away and he's like literally staring me in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> answering my questions. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> now Why I can't remember the next question. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I have this paper right here. Uh, <laughs> all my questions on it. But uh, yeah, I was charmed by him. I, again, hadn't really paid much attention to him before being given this opportunity. So uh, learning about learning about that, you know, his favorite style of music is like 60s black American music. I was just like, <laughs> okay, sing a, few, yeah. sing a few bars for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, and then he did. And then at that point, you needed to be like, okay, now that's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. so, musical theater, not. You know what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe when UK does Mass Singer, oh. Christopher Eccleston <laughs> will be doing some Motown. Yeah, you know. that would be so funny. I would be there for that. That would be yes. so funny. But yeah, so mm-hmm. and, yeah, this is and obviously this is a subjective question, and you know, to each their own, right? But one of the headlines that coming from this interview, you know, you're making headlines. Oh boy. (laughs) As was Chris talking about his exit from Dr. Who, obviously, you know, it's interest. Um, He keeps using the word political and I don't know what he means by that. Mm. I mean, it seemed to kind of mean like, and this, again, this is subjective. It seemed to mean like, Oh, and I'm making this up. Oh, Russell and Julian, whoever, you know, wanted me to kiss their ass or wanted me to whatever. And I want to do it because I'm an actor. But I'm like, really? I mean, but he kept saying political. And I don't, because he said it like three times. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you mean by it. Like, because um, I mean, I mean, it's nothing, you know, I, I, if I was you, I wouldn't follow up because, you know, it's con. You want to be friendly. You know? Right. But like, if it's like a hard hitting, like Mike Wallace or whoever. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, yeah. Like, what do you mean by political? Oprah. Probably yeah. not Oprah. I was yeah. going to say maybe Oprah, but no, probably yeah. not. But I, I don't know. What did you think about reflecting on it? Cause, um, what you think about Chris's answer to that? I don't know. Um, I think he's still striking a balance between being really open and brash and honest about it and still keeping certain parts to his chest um Mm. so i don't know exactly which i appreciate right because it could have gone he's not like let me tell you this is all the terrible things exactly so i think that there are things that he still hasn't probably been open about and someone at the end during the q a asked uh if it was very awkward. I was just like, "Well, I have to do something here," because he was he was asking a very honest, like he was trying to be a, polit- a hard hitting political reporter. He was just like, "Oh, the person in the audience was like, oh, did you know? I heard this rumor. Oh, this, about the extras, right? And yes. if you've like yes. seen any um, like bad treatment, mistreatment of the extras, yeah. and he was like, no, but you know, I didn't always like how the like the the crew were being treated, and so I feel like." There's something there, um, and I don't, you know, I still don't know exactly what that means. Whether it's like, you know, verbal abuse or time over overworking them or whatever. So it's it could be any number of things, and his working class background. Um, so he has a a, a a sympathy empathy towards people in like yeah. lower positions, which not all people, especially not all actors, do. Um, so I think. He's still keeping something to himself 
And I feel like, you know, we may find out, we may never find out what the, what exactly (laughs) it is. Uh, But I think he was also trying to strike the balance of like, not crapping on a thing that we're all here to, or the people who made the thing that we're here to talk to him about. And I think that that's a, an interesting position to have to be in, especially because like you go to cons and you make money from conventions. And if you're Mm -hmm. continuing, if you're going to make a reputation of yourself for bad mouthing the property that you're there for, I think that would also limit your opportunities to do that again. And, (laughs) and, and even besides the monetary Mm -hmm. opportunities, you know, you don't want to have that reputation. Right. In general. Um, and I think his reputation is the whole point. Like that was what bothered him in the first, you know, part of what bothered him in the first place. Like he left and I feel like it was on bad terms, but then it made, was made worse because mm-hmm. of how they like put his name out there and the way that he felt like uh, his name was being treated. He said at, either in the interview or in some other interview that I read to, to, while I was researching uh, that like for several years he didn't work in the UK. And then eventually his next biggest role was um, that like a lot of people at the convention were there to see him and talk to him about was The Leftovers, which is an American show. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he is very very hyper conscious of like he needs to be honest because of who he is but also he's very aware that like that leads to a certain type of reputation that is counterintuitive to the point is that they messed up his reputation so it is an interesting balance uh so i don't know what you know it's sort of you know office politics or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> what does that ever mean? I guess, <laughs> and it can yeah. mean yeah, a, a myriad still... of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one of the things you just probably sh- I should probably just accept what I hear. But it's also some of the things of like, I'm still not sure whether some of it's in Chris's head mm. or not about like not getting high. Like, I mean, I, not that I not believe him, but I guess I, I don't know because he has. And I'm just going to sound negative, but I don't mean it just in this way. He has this chip on his shoulder because of his working class background. But that's that's just to say, you know, he deserved, right? You know, that, that he, I mean, you can speak to this more than me, Jessica, but, you know, that he has seen, like what he talked about in your interview with Shakespearean productions, don't go to working class because those aren't the people who get cast. And, you know, it's the whole accent, it's the whole background. I mean, and so obviously he's had to overcome either actual or perceived, on you know, that. And so I think that's still with him to this day. Yeah, I think um, that, he's that thing. consciously trying to find the, I guess, truth of it all in that I'm sure whatever he perceives probably happened, but maybe he's as, you know, now that he's like talking about it and I, mm-hmm. you know, we asked him why, like he's been asked, I, again, I forget which questions I asked him <laughs> and which I read. It was probably you. Um, you made a lot of headlines. <laughs> about... Um, <laughs> why now like why he's talking about all this now and he's just like i'm older now so i think that maybe he does realize that whatever happens he can control his own narrative now so he's better better in a better place mentally perhaps to Mm. like do it to talk about it better like in ways that he couldn't then like whatever was wrong whatever was going on he maybe felt like he didn't have power to talk about it the way that he has power to talk about it now. So, um, mm-hmm. and then also like, I don't know, how do you talk about it 15 years later is perhaps it's different, very different. Mm-hmm, than how yeah. you, 
both how you perceived it then, but also maybe how you were talking about it then, because you're still, like, emotional from whatever the things are. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I, I feel like I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about, like, Russell or any of the other BBC <laughs> folks to, like, necessarily say you know, give them a shot because I feel like <laughs> my instinct is rarely executive. It's the root for the executives. <laughs> You're with the, pro, you know, the working right. class. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, it obviously wasn't all controversial, a lot of good stuff. We talked, you were, we were talking earlier about, you know, you never know how an interviewee will be about their projects, but, you know, he knew the episode titles. He knew, mm-hmm. you know. Which is more than I know a lot of times. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. So, and I've seen them probably more than he has. Absolutely, you so. definitely yeah. have because he talked about that. <laughs> he was like, he's, I don't know that he's actually seen it or maybe it's like come on TV, but he's definitely shown his kids a couple and they don't like mm-hmm. it because they're like, they're either scared or they're like, daddy, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I think would be a really weird thing to, to see yeah. your parent. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the whole thing. You know, the, the tenants have a new baby, and now uh... that's that's right. So <laughs> they got to go through it all again. Yeah, and I several did... times they have so many. Yeah, <laughs> I did quite appreciate because I had heard him talking about the fiftieth anniversary, mm-hmm. and that's another one where I don't know. He didn't like his I, part. I'm, I'm with. I believe him on that one because Moffat. Oh no, is I just... do too. <laughs> Well, I do too. Well, and, I think there and, were two but at, at, at the same yeah. time, yeah. you know, I also so you know, he's like, "Oh, it was just me and David, T- Dave, yeah, and, <laughs> and Matt Smith, just sort of talking about how we're the doctors." And, I, and there was a part of me that was like, "Yes, but that's not necessarily bad, mm-hmm. um, because that's sort of what it." That's, that's what's the 50th what anniversary that every you know yeah you that's say. what but crossovers then he, with he, doctors are yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then he went on to talk about you know with once John Hurt was involved and the next version of the script and he talked about how beautiful it was and so I appreciated mm-hmm. that in terms of he was okay that he didn't do it right and still <laughs> appreciated it. For what it was, right? Um, yeah, and and I would have again loved to have seen John Hurt as the War Doctor, and then the ninth, tenth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh Doctors prattling about talking about how great they were as Doctors. I would have been okay right. with a happy I medium. Both. I but both. yes, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. now that we fixed the other part of the draft, can you still can you still do it? Just come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think because he's was so open about some of his like mental health struggles, I think there's probably parts of that where he was like he maybe not was in a headspace to go back or you know mm-hmm. stuff that he yeah. didn't talk about. Where it's you know he put one narrative of why he didn't do it forward but um considering some of the stuff that's in his book and like just the struggles that he went through i would imagine it would be a really big like i have to go back to that like it's like going back to high school you know kind of the point we were making earlier about like what you were doing 15 years ago it's like putting yourself in this very specific place not that it was 15 at that point but um, in a very specific place in your life where you weren't necessarily happy because um, he does yeah. talk about like having this body dysmorphia while on this show that like takes a lot out of you um, so I don't I feel like I don't believe not the don't believe but like I don't think he was telling the whole story of why he didn't do it um, but then also I believe that he saw the script and was just like 
bro. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's rework yeah. this a little bit, especially considering, because uh, my, my current uh, desire is not necessarily for all of them to come. I mean, I obviously want all of the living doctors to like be in one episode. Um, that would be great. But I would like uh, my higher desire, I guess, is for, and I mentioned this to him, I was like, you know yep. what? You already know Jody. And I feel mm-hmm. like y'all, you know, maybe friends, I don't know, but we'd like to see it, like the two of you together. And I and I say that partially because he got so little time that I think that if he does return for a special, I'd like him to get more time. And putting mm-hmm. him in an episode with two of the most popular doctors ever, <laughs> he doesn't get that time and he doesn't get that appreciation that I think yes. he could yeah. get yeah. if he were he had his own episode. So, um I yeah I appreciate that he uh, I'm sad that he said no but I think that him saying no may probably made this you know them revisit the story in a way that made it cool and maybe better uh cause obviously mm. I don't know what the first draft looked like but I know Moffat and mm, <laughs> he probably yeah. needed a well, second Chris draft tr- seems yeah, to yeah. seems to trust some yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so also he, uh, you know even to be able to say that yeah. yeah, even to be able yeah. to tell him and like I feel like this, this, and this is why I'm not going to do this is a is a big sign of like their relationship and of the trust that they mm-hmm. probably have with each other. Where you would never tell the person like, oh, I'm not going to do this because this sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd just say, no, thank you. I have other commitments. Right. Exactly. Bless your, bless your heart. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think ultimately, um, he doesn't owe us as much yeah, as, no, as no, much no. as we want all the tea right he doesn't he doesn't actually owe us that explanation or even um, owe us a visit back honestly yeah like yeah. i want it also absolutely yeah. but he you know <laughs> yeah. is allowed to move on with his life because uh, if he came back too much we'd be like boy sit down <laughs> so yeah <laughs> trying to find that that balance so chris just come, yeah, i already no, told absolutely. you but just come back that one time just one time just give it to us just hang out mm, with maybe Jody. twice mm-hmm. twice so that <laughs> we might be Special. able to sneak david in because you exactly. know they're friends they're too. also yeah. friends yeah. i would yeah. like i think you know get him back in the fold with jody and give him his like space mm-hmm. and his time see what i did there right. um, ah. <laughs> and then he can come back for a, like a very crowded special, and that would be nice. And then he could let yes. it go, be free. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And he actually, I, I appreciated because obviously, I'm sure we've all talked about the fact that we didn't get to see the ninth Doctor find his groove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talked about that. He, and you know, he talked second about season that. Have, yeah. Uh, um, and so I appreciated that sort of awareness of. You know, sometimes it takes that second up epi- second series to, yeah. to get into. Yeah, and we just missed it. And mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, absolutely. And then I, I think with watching this or watching your last interview, one thing that I, I thought about that I don't think I've ever thought about, which is obvious, I just don't, haven't thought about this way, is that Chris's approach to the role, like as an actor, what he was thinking, and and he kind of talked about. Um, the influences of, of, you know, channeling his father and all that. And I just thought it was interesting because, again, it's this role that he kind of knows, but, you know, not really um, as far as the past doctors. And then, to, you know, you're inventing this character and you have a lot of freedom, it seems like. It seems like every Doctor Who actor just surprised me how much freedom they have with all these right. showrunners. Right, and he and was writers. saying, like, oh, you know, he was able to pick the outfit out and keep his accent mm-hmm. and stuff. So that was more mm-hmm. power than I thought he would have, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Although, again, my posit has always been that that the showrunners specifically chose Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper because they were both they both had working class accents <laughs> and that they were trying to appeal to yeah to new audiences in that way in a way that mm-hmm. like classic who hadn't <laughs> yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely so so yes mm-hmm. while it was you know partly his choice i think it was also intent there to yeah to sort of bring in as an aside i really want to, philly has never said anything about i've never heard anything saying anything about working with chris i don't want to just hear an interview hmm. but she doesn't have to say anything about like why he left i just never what's it like working with chris mm. for that year so. and that must have been really interesting yeah. because she was not really an actress at that no. point right and he is very much an actor, and, you know, a sta- you know, a stage actor yeah. and Shakespeare. Uh-huh. He has all of this experience and knowledge in his head, and uh-huh. and what that difference and mm-hmm. that dichotomy the two of them together yeah. must have been like. Yeah, but yeah. Well, what was your... So when you interview Billy Piper, right? I'll be sure to make that on my list. Ask those questions. I didn't even. I yes. just. Right. I only just realized I didn't ask Chris about working with Billy at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he mentioned her once. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. it was sort of... You know. <laughs> oh, it was... They, he was talking about the writers seemed to be quite focused on her Oh, character. that Russell knew how to do, like you were saying. Yes, right? yeah. So, yeah. But, well, what, yeah. what was your favorite part of the interview? Other than when it was over and the pressure was off. <laughs> right. <but>. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know, because it was all very... I was just eyeing the clock, honestly, just staring at my <laughs> questions and eyeing the clock. So I don't know that I had a, a favorite moment necessarily because it was all, you know, it was all great in that, like, I was like, this is going okay. <laughs> the whole time I was just like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like yeah. eyeing my questions and like, okay, this is how many questions. Questions I have left. How much time I have left? You weren't like panicking, like. But also, if I two do questions run, left, there's an hour to go. Right, you know? but also I was like, <laughs> if I do run out of questions, I'm gonna just pivot to the audience, which is what I did, and that worked mm. out fine. I did want to wait as long as possible because I didn't want as much time with the audience because their questions can yeah, be unpredictable. So I wanted to... audiences be crazy. This yeah. is more of a more of a comment than a question. Yeah, um, like I just want to talk about. So when I was five years old, I was like, okay. <laughs> And yeah. you and you totally had that person in the <laughs> asking questions. Absolutely, but you know it's I guess sort of par for the course, and he should experience yeah, yeah. that. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And understand People that this want is part to make of it. Connection. Mm-hmm. You're doing yeah. welcome. Uh, yeah. But I did wait yeah. as long as I could. But I really did run out of questions, and I was like, well. It's time for the audience. And I knew that they would have questions that I wouldn't have thought of, and, and I thought that mm-hmm. would be important. And, you know, you come to a big like, thing like I've this. I've listened to gossip, and now I'm coming to the source. <laughs> I know. It's just like, Terrifying. what do I do? <laughs> I am also an actor. And I would oh, my like gosh. To, I am also a writer, and I would like to yeah. ask. Oh, my goodness. No. Can you produce uh, my film? Make a connection. No. Yeah. Yeah. Make a connection. And I think we should also talk about your branding was on point. You had your <laughs> Tarvis t-shirt. You had your 
was that a TARDIS dress? Anyway, but he had the, the very uh, kind of colorful yeah, TARDIS-like dress. It was a skirt you had your that I very TARDIS purposely, note cards. It was a skirt that I know. very purposefully uh, picked out to match the shirt, um, uh-huh. and. I was like looking around, like I need it to like at least a little bit the same blue, not exactly the same, but I was like, oh, this one has like yellow, and I was like, look, it's you know very Tardisy, and uh, it's like the Van Gogh Tardis, explosion. yeah, yeah, and uh, very uh, uh, <laughs> Bad Wolf, like the the glow of the yeah. Tardis. Um, mm-hmm. The note cards was a whim the day before. Um, uh, pal uh, Caitlin Sky, they uh, host a podcast called uh, The Queer Archive that just started this year. Uh, they are an artist and made this like beautiful TARDIS. Uh, I forget what it is inspired by. Uh, so, Caitlin, forgive me if you're listening to this, but it was really cool and really pretty. And I was like, oh, instead of like being having my phone, and I was hyper aware that like. One, notifications, even if I put my phone on silent, and, um, you know, the concern of, like, if your phone dies or if there's no internet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then also just, like, you know, you're sitting there, and I've seen it with, like, (laughs) other panelists. Not that they did a bad job of it, but I was just hyper aware that I probably wouldn't be as good at it. Just, like, having to unlock your phone (laughs) or, like, be conscious about keeping it on and into the app. All of that was just, like... Instead of dealing with that. But not run out of batteries. Right, like, instead of dealing with any of that, I was like, I could just print them out (laughs) and have a backup copy. Uh, Kick it old school. Proper old school. Yeah, kick it old school. And then I was like, oh, Mm. but you know what would be fun? (laughs) So I have the TARDIS on the background. So I did it, and then I was like, hey, Caitlin, can I do this? (laughs) And they Uh were like, sure. And I was like, great, thank Uh you. Uh, So... uh, Thanks to them for letting me use that uh, just to, you know, for cuteness reasons. <laughs> it wasn't, Absolutely. you know, I wasn't able to like shout it, shout it out, shout out about it or anything, but I, it, it made me feel better. <laughs> but now you can. Right. And it now made me feel can. better. So, yes. <laughs> well, what are, what are your, uh, what are your final thoughts about the uh, experience? Um, now that you're headlined to the Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> I know. News. It was very strange to see like. There was it was a combination of like obviously there were a lot of like articles about the the thing but I realized that I did not introduce myself or say who I was when I walked out on stage <laughs> so oh, no. there are like 90% of the articles I mean not that I'm important you know I'm hyper aware yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm not important here I do not matter I am not why anybody is there to see anything but I was just like wow no one knows that I did this except for the, like three yeah outlets that like follow already like had a person who followed me or research. happened to yeah. research yeah. it because i mean my name's on the in the you know it's on the comic-con app so if you happen to like look you'd see it there so if mm. you really wanted to include it you could but i was just like Which this is good really funny journalists who are writing an article about it really <laughs> right but again i recognize that. that i'm not important so it's just like i'm not yeah. really like annoyed about it but um yeah. it was but unnamed interviewer is also a little <laughs> awkward <laughs> exactly um christopher <laughs> send to the right on <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was girlfriend question mark <laughs> what are you doing I, he's probably single somewhere so in the knows. daily sun you showed up that's right <laughs> oh yikes um especially because like i'm in getty images now <laughs> so funny. um people were sending me Did you get, like a union card from right yeah. it, was, it was very strange sag. it was very strange though because it was an interesting 
it was interesting because, again, I recognize that I'm not the point. But from the reactions that I got, I'm reminded that some moderators do think 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 they think that they are the point. Uh, yeah. uh, because, like, I walked out and was just like, I don't even, no one even knows who I am. It doesn't matter. Let's keep moving on. And there's no real, real way to, like, rectify that <laughs> before the end of the thing. But at the end, like, when I walked out, several people stopped me to say I did a good job. And I was like, this is... I sure thank you but also like <laughs> i don't matter but i think because there are moderators out there and i think that was why you know Brittany at read pop was like let's diversify this this thing because a lot of the moderators come from the same demographic mm. and background and like a lot of them think that they're funny and you know <laughs> there's just like a type of person who typically gets those gigs um and so i was thankful to be able to like shake it up a bit <laughs> and be a different type mm. of person uh but they do there i have seen a lot of con conventions where it's just like oh the moderator's terrible <laughs> and so it is <laughs> yeah. get out of the way so i do recognize that it is an important like it is a thing that people notice uh because and it's a skill that not a lot of people yeah. recognize as a skill. Right. It is a skill. Yeah, and I'm still, you know, getting my skills up. But I <laughs> no, was shocked. Yeah, you were fantastic. I mean, that's like plus 25 experience. <laughs> in character sheet. I, you know. <laughs> but I was, I was quite shocked by how many people, like, stopped me. Like, I was leaving and someone tapped me on the shoulder to say, like, you did a great job. And I was just like, okay, thank you. And then obviously it was being live streamed. So I'm having people on Twitter tell me this and uh, I'm in getting images and I'm just like, oh, it was, it was just like an overwhelming sense of like, I felt personally like, okay, I accomplished this. I did it and nothing terrible happened. But then people uh, sort of validating that and sort of going the extra mile of like, no, you did a great job. And like, I've kept, <laughs> I uploaded the video and I've kept the notifications on for the comments, which, you know, on YouTube is a very dangerous yeah. thing to do. Hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. And I've gotten like two, I think three, but like two are from the same person of like people being negative <laughs> in the comments. And I was like, oh, is it time to turn it off? But then there are people who are, you know, either saying nice things about Chris, but there are people in the comments like, oh, the moderator did a great job. This was a great interview. And I was just like, oh, okay, great. I'll keep it on for another exactly. day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Own it. So own I'm it. trying, yeah, I'm like trying to say, find that balance of like being humble about it and like, I only no. I looked up some questions, you, but <laughs> but um, well, you realize now with like, that on your CV, right. you're, you're 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 set up for the next. You I know, hope so. You NYCC know, NYCC needs another. Big also, star. next up, yeah. I think Hall H. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, maybe with some help on that one for the first tryout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're like San Diego. I'm like I did NYCC with Chris Ackleson. Yeah. What are you gonna throw at? Right. Me? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. What you bring it? I mean, tenant. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah. I'm mean, just working my way down. You know, I, I think as I said, there are so many people who it, it's like being an MC. Mm -hmm. It. it it's a skill, and yeah. everybody, you know, there are people who are like, well, yeah, I can do that, and they cannot. Right, <laughs> right. And so the fact that you have that skill, absolutely own that, and absolutely put it on your CV. <laughs> 
So kudos and snaps. Yes, yeah. and absolutely vie for Hall H. <laughs> yeah. Will do. We will vote. If there's a voting, we um, will if vote. If we need to give a vacation day, let us right. know. Right. Yes, absolutely. Have it donated absolutely. from my friends, that from my, po- exactly. my podcast friends, <laughs> all donating yeah. their vacation my, days so I can go to San Diego Comic-Con. My GoFundMe for, for personal days. Yeah. <laughs> That's so okay. we're in. So if folks can find you online and elsewhere, where can they get uh, you on the internet? Probably most, mostly at Constar24 on Twitter and then and most places. And you can see the video. It's currently pinned to my timeline, but it's also somewhere on my website, ConstarWrites.com. Uh, yeah. And we'll post a link as well. Great. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, we appreciate it, Connie, and thanks for doing a great job. Yeah, thanks well for having done. me on. Thanks so for exciting. Uh, letting me relive it again. <laughs> not, that yes. people, <laughs> not that people haven't still... Someone asked me yesterday, they're like, I haven't seen you. How was your interview? And I was just like, oh, right. <laughs> that thing. It's like the further away I get from it, the not that I forget that it happens, but it feels, you know, I'm more removed from that, like, hyper focus on it um so it's very like oh so so when we ask you about what happened at minute 12 (laughs) yeah you remember when uh you you know you had one of the cards up what did that card say i'm not as good as chris eccleston in remembering things (laughs) a month ago much less 15 years ago (laughs) literally i was just like i don't even know if i asked that question or not yeah (laughs) i can imagine so But Aww. amazing work. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. That was a yeah. lot of fun to watch. Thanks. All right. So what are we talking about next episode, darling? Ah, next episode. We are going to look at the story arcs mm-hmm. that the 11th Doctor experiences. So series Z-Z-Z-Z, yep. five through seven. Yeah. You know, Stephen Moffat sometimes gets criticized for his timey-wimey. And we talked about how, you know, the first episode lasted till the last episode mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk about the different story arcs of those three seasons and whether we enjoyed them or whether they made sense or etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, since you know we didn't necessarily always have strong story arcs after that. i don't mean that in quality but i mean literally you know with the 12th doctor's first series you had the missy thing but that was just more of a you had this cameo Mm. And then at the end, the last two episodes, we explain what it is. That's not, I guess it's a story arc, but not really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you went from there, I suppose. But anyway, so these were all definitely stronger to and me. And the 13th Doctor, I mean, the Has first none. season specifically <laughs> yeah. was yeah. was Arcless. built not to have arcs. Yeah. So, But they were definitely strong story arcs. You know, whether, like, not not talking quality, but they were definitely there. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about those. Well, the, and the pieces that fall into places. Yeah, or don't. Huh. Uh-huh. We want to thank, as always, Wally and Sonnenots for providing us with their Jazz Doctor Who theme tune. So until next week, enjoy the Doctor's many adventures throughout time, time and space. This is BBC Television.